Hi, Jordan here from Open Doors and welcome to The Whole Story, previously known as Open Doors Live Podcast. After thinking and praying about why we do this podcast and what it is we want to share with our listeners and the wider church, we decided to reimagine the podcast name, look and feel. Our heart for this podcast is to bring the global church to you, kind of like you're joining us on a field trip to meet Christians from around the world. We want to be a bridge between you and the church in some of the most remote and dangerous places to follow Jesus. We love to explore what authentic discipleship looks like around the world and share the stories of believers who face immense pressure for their faith. Together, we'll go beyond the four walls of our individual Sunday services and discover what the global church looks, sounds and feels like. So that's why we've called it The Whole Story. Through our many incredible guests we feature and the stories we share, we aim to share the whole story, the bigger picture of what the church is like. We've got an incredible array of guests in store who will share about what following Jesus looks like in some of the most contested and restricted nations on earth. Starting now on this episode. So welcome to the whole story. Cue the intro and let's get started. Beyond the four walls of our local church building is the church, the universal body of Christ, a vibrant living organism. It's eclectic, it's bold, it's colourful and it's resilient. A cacophony of languages, sounds, people and practices where every voice comes together to tell the story of God throughout the centuries. I'm your host, Jordan, from Open Doors, and together we'll hear from people from all over the global church and meet believers who follow Jesus in some of the most dangerous places to be a Christian. In the face of tremendous pressure, God is moving. This is The Whole Story. Our first guest on The Whole Story is Michael Boss, World Watchlist researcher and persecution analyst for Open Doors in the Middle East, North Africa region. I sat down to chat with him about his research, his time spent living in the West Bank, Palestine, and what he sees God doing in that nation. In this conversation, I just love how Michael brings us back to the humanity behind the headlines and the everyday realities of following Jesus in such a contested nation. He encouraged me to see people rather than just politics. And honestly, I could have chatted to him for many hours. But I hope you enjoy this very special interview as much as I enjoyed having it. Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What is your role within Open Doors? And what does your day-to-day look like uh, with the ministry? Yeah, thank you, Jordan. Um, so like you said, I'm the persecution analyst for the Middle, Middle East and uh, North African countries. Um, I live in Munich at the moment. Um, but what my day-to-day is, is you know, f- focusing on those countries, covering them. Um, we have our questionnaire process um, for the World Watch List. Um, so, you know, I'm in touch with the fields, I'm in touch with external experts and others who are involved. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, just daily focusing on the countries, reading news, uh, writing articles, keeping track. Um, yes, so that's what, what my current role is mostly about. Yeah. Right, so you're just... Traveling to the countries also, yeah. That's awesome. So kind of gathering data from external sources, from the field, from, you know, all of these different places, putting it together so that it ends up in the World Watch List, which is our um, our big project that we work on every year, which explains the most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. Exactly. And don't forget to mention the full country dossiers attached to it, where all our, docu- uh, um, doc- um, our data is documented. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the um, dossier for uh, Palestine is going to be in the show notes. So go and check out uh, Michael's research uh, through the show notes as well when you are um, wanting to follow up after this episode. So uh, can you share with us a little bit about your personal journey, Michael, and your experience of living in Palestine? How did you end up living there with your wife and what was it like to to live in, in Palestine? So it's actually my wife who brought us to to Palestine and to this um, uh, rural community where we have been living for a year in the West Bank, close to Ramallah. Um, it's the last the, the the last fully Christian village in the West Bank. Um, has a very strong cultural identity. 
Um, and because of her field work, we ended up there and we've been living there for a year and learned a lot personally um, and, and, you know, learned a lot on, on several uh, aspects, um, Palestinian Christian life, uh, but also uh, Palestinian culture in general, um, about the occupation. Um, so yes, that was, it was a, I think it was the most rich year um, of, of my whole life in terms of learning and, and understanding. Wow, were you fluent in Arabic before you went, or did you have to learn it uh, on the go? Uh, we learned it on the go. We did some uh, language courses in Jerusalem um, and also in the in the village itself. Um, and in the end, I was able to um, to do shopping in Arabic. But you know, it's uh, uh, there's one good joke about um, Arabic, and that's um, why is Arabic the the language of God? Because it takes eternity to learn it. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's real. I started to learn Arabic and because of different letters and it goes the other way, man, it really felt like gymnastics for my yeah, brain yeah, when I was yeah. trying to learn. Yeah. We, we have been teaching to um, uh, secondary school students in, in the village, um, but they, they preferred English above uh, Arabic because English is easier in terms of gra um, grammatics and everything than Arabic. And you have, you have spoken, of, of course, as you know, if you're learning Arabic, you have spoken Arabic and you have the formal Arabic and the formal Arabic is teached in schools, but they prefer their um, spoken Arabic uh, much more than the, the formal Arabic. Um, and the formal Arabic is so difficult that, that they actually prefer to learn English. Wow, yeah. that's so interesting. So you could kind of get around a little bit speaking English. Oh, yes. Oh, and, but that's the very interesting thing about it. So we were in this very rural, very traditional village. And the culture was very, very strongly traditional. But there's no Palestinian Christian family without a cousin in the United States. And that's no joke. Um, so even if we were living there, you only need to need a little bit of Arabic and then you have most people being able to speak English. And actually, there's a lot of people coming in and going. So especially around the summertime, people gather, they come from the States, they come from Australia as well, um, they come from uh, Europe and they, they uh, come from South America. There's a huge Christ Palestinian Christian presence in South America. Um, and they come back, they do their marriages uh, in, inside the village where we were and in, in, in Palestine in general. They meet again with their families. So it's it's very traditional, very culturally very traditional, but the, 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 they're, you know, they're very international at the same time. Yeah. yeah, and I can imagine because so many of the sacred sites for Christianity are in the West Bank, you would probably get a lot of tourism as well, which I'm sure would add to the um, the internationality yeah. Yeah. of the region. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's mostly, uh, um, that's mostly focusing on Jerusalem and Bethlehem, um, the, the religious tourism. Um, I would say, and I would especially encourage the listeners, if they are going to Israel, Palestine, um, please do get in touch with Palestinian Christians because there's a lot of sightseeing um, without seeing the living stones, as they call it. Um, wow. So they, you know, they view the dead stones, but they don't view the living stones. They don't meet the living stones. So please, um, if you go to um, Israel, if you have a trip planned to Israel, you go to Jerusalem, please do cross uh, the wall, do get into Bethlehem, um, do get in and do get to meet with uh, Palestinian Christians. Um, there's tons, there's thousands of uh, pilgrims going every year to, uh, to Bethlehem. It's not scary at all in case uh, people are, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, are afraid to go. Um, and please do get in touch. And, 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 but we also addressed it during this podcast. Um, please do speak with them, listen to them, listen to their story, um, even if you have uh, different political views. Wow, I love that. We go to visit, isn't that true? We go to Israel and Palestine to see the dead stones, uh, you know, the stones where Jesus stood or, you know, where this was laid and there's so much, you know, uh, folklore and tradition around it. But yeah, the, the the living stones are the people of God, the, the remnant that are still there, that they, they're following Jesus um, beautifully in that country. And that's what I want to talk about today is the living stones of uh, Israel-Palestine, the, the the church within this contested land. I mean, the issues in Israel and Palestine are incredibly complex and longstanding, and there's no way we can 
uh, go to the the full extent of what what has happened in uh, in that on that land um, in this yeah. time. But for for the listeners who maybe aren't aware, could you give us a bit of insight into why this land is so contested and maybe why um, yeah what 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 has actually happened in in this nation? Yeah. So first of all, an answer like you said, to this question is never neutral, and it will also depend on who you ask. Um, there's huge debates going on also in Israeli Israeli academia on, on the history of what happened in 1948 and everything. Um, but okay, let me, in my view, so let me give an, a, a quick overview. Um, what you see happening in the 19th century is that you see two uh, nationalist movements starting to develop. Uh, the Zionist movement working towards Jewish statehood versus the Arab national movement um, looking to build a state of their own in uh, British Mandate Palestine. Now, that culminates in the establishment of the State of Israel in 1948. Um, so at the cost of the Palestinians, I would say, and then um, the, the Jewish state was created. Um, then we have the Six-Day War of 1967, in which Israel was able to capture the West Bank and Gaza, uh, also the Golan Heights, but it's, it's a bit different. Um, and then now the, the West Bank and Gaza, uh, we know as the occupied Palestinian territories. Um, so since 1967, we have had two intifadas, uh, one from uh, the first intifada, 1987-1993, and then the other one, 2000-2005. Uh, um, but then with the Oslo Accords in the middle of it, so there were Oslo Accords, actually two accords, uh, one 1993 and the other one 1995, and that saw the establishment of the Palestinian Authority in those areas, um, most uh, with the Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat, um, and nowadays led uh, by Mahmoud Abbas. Um, then the Gaza Strip was disengaged by Israel in 2004, with Israel dismantling all its settlements in the Gaza Strip. Um, and then yeah, the, the last big step is the 2006 elections, were, which were won by Hamas, um, but it ended in, an, in a civil war between Hamas and uh, Fatah, uh, the party of uh, Yasser Arafat and Mahmoud Abbas. Um, and it ended with Hamas taking the uh, taking over the Gaza Strip in June 2007. And since then, we have that situation where you have the Gaza Strip um, effectively de facto being ruled by uh, Hamas, the West Bank being ruled by the Palestinian Authority. Within the Palestinian authorities, actually governing both the West Bank and Gaza, but you know de facto it's Hamas and then um, Fatah, the party of of Mahmoud Abbas governing uh, the, the West Bank. Um, then there have been talks between, you know, there have, the peace talks have mostly ended between Israel and the Palestinians. There's always talks between going on and there's, 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 there's this security um, um, cooperation between the Israeli government and uh, Fatah of the, the, the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank. So there's, there's always, this relationship, but official peace talks, I have to say. Um, and then there's talks between uh, Fatah and Hamas uh, almost every year by different sponsors like Turkey or Egypt or, 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 or other uh, negotiation negotiators. But it, till now, it has not led to anything. Um, there were elections planned for in, in 2021, if I say it correct. Uh, but those were cancelled in the end by, because um, uh, Abbas feared that he would lose. Um, and that's that's the current situation. And of course, we have then had the, the Gaza-Israeli wars. Um, I think everybody knows the, the, the images uh, of that and all the bombing and everything. Um, and then there have been, of course, uh, hundreds of attacks in the middle um, and violent conflicts between uh, Palestinians and, and, and Jews, mostly. Um, but yeah, that's that's the, the the overview at the moment. So we we have three territories. We have um, if you yeah. So if you speak about Palestinian Christians, um, you have you, they are living in three different territories. So some of them, or I say a lot of them, are living in Israel. Um, others are living in the West Bank, and then there's a very small, tiny group living in in Gaza. But it's 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 vastly different different environments for each of the three groups. Yeah. Man, in such a small space, there's yes. three different leaders, three different parties with three very different goals, uh, three very different views and perspectives. Um, yeah, it, it is yeah. so very complicated, but um, you summed it up uh, very well. I mean, the conflict doesn't necessarily involve Christians, as you mentioned. It's primarily between um 
you know, Palestinians and um, and the the Israelis that that live there. Uh, although the land is still very important for Christians, as we mentioned before, Bethlehem, Jerusalem. Um, you know, some of our listeners will be thinking, you know, oh my gosh, they, these are the places that we read about in the scriptures, and they're there. <laughs> this is where um, our 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 Savior walked, uh, where He lived, and um, uh, where He died and rose again. So, um, yeah. do Israeli and Palestinian Christians kind of find themselves caught in between, uh, you know, the, these agendas? We tend to portray Palestinian Christians as being caught in the middle between the Muslims and the Jews or the Palestinians and the Israelis, although, uh, first of all, uh, 20% of the Israeli population is Arab. So um, that's also an important note to make. Um, but then again, if you look at the Palestinian Christian involvement, um, uh, at, also at this moment, you will see that they are very much leading and are part of the Arab nationalist struggle, not only in, um, uh, in Palestine, but also in other countries. Christians have been hugely involved, have been founders of um, nationalist movements. And also today, you will see that um, there's, there's political involvement in the Fatah party, um, uh, not so much or not at all in the in the um, let's say less in the um, uh, with, with Hamas for obvious reasons because Hamas is an Islamist party, but Fatah in itself, although uh, dominated by by Muslims of course, um, is an, an, a secular party and Christians are involved. They are you know they they, they are part of that movement. Um, but then next to that, there's also the whole the whole social movement and, and, and the, the things they do with education, like um, the top two universities, or is it top two? Well, yeah, both two, the most important universities in the West Bank, they have Bethlehem University and also uh, Bezaid University, are established by, by Christians. Um, oh, if you look at the hospitals... That. Right. Yeah. So if, if you look at the hospital sector, um, with hospitals, most of the hospitals in, in Palestine have been established by Christians um, and are wow. still, there's still, there's still a huge involvement of Christian organizations in the health sector and education sector in Palestine. So, um, um, yes, yes. And, and, and so that means that, for example, those schools, and we were also working at the, at the Roman Catholic school, so that's, that's, you know, overseen by the Roman Catholic Church, um, and then Muslims and Christians are going to both schools. And, and for example, the universities, of course, are more than 90% of the, the, the students are Muslim. Um, but still, there is a huge history of Christian societal involvement and Christians are still very much involved and their number um, it's it's between one of two percent of the population but their their outreach in that sense is way bigger than wow. that, than what you think by yeah hearing through those numbers that is really incredible so I guess as I've been reading some of the testimonies of Christians in Palestine uh, I come I've come across this idea that has described Christians in Palestine as Jesus following peacemakers and that kind of speaks to what you were talking about. You know, they they're they're starting hospitals. They're um, you know they're getting involved in in education. They're getting involved in um, uh, in politics in practical ways. So um, they're living as peacemakers, Jesus following peacemakers in the most contested land on earth. I mean, you've lived there. You've lived with them. Do you have any inspiring stories of individuals that you've encountered who really embody this peacemaking spirit? Yes, yes. You have those people who really want to uh, be involved with society, uh, do the good thing, um, bridge, make bridges between uh, Christians and Muslims um, um, and with, with Christians and Jews. At the same time, I have to say that the, the conflict is now at, at such a point that um, a lot of people have lost hope and also a lot of Palestinian Christians have lost hope. Yeah. Um, yet, yes, of course, we do have those people, and there are those, still those 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 people, um, uh, and there are those, still those NGOs and organizations uh, trying to bridge, make bridges between peoples and populations. Um, yeah, at the same time, because of the whole conflict, because there's uh, not so much, um, uh, there's, there's no, how do say it? Um, there's not so much hope for for a political uh, solution. Mm. Um, it's it's difficult to stay optimistic. 
Um, so yes, you you have you have of course, and, and I encourage people to read about um, or repeat about uh, those people. You can you know if you if you look at the internet, I can also send you a list, and maybe you can you can add that to this podcast um, if people want to know more. Um, there's this you know there's lots of books out there, um, and and people describing their journey to to bridge between Christians and Jews, and and just what I'm what I just told you. Um, but yes, it's, it's also, um, uh, if, if I look at the present situation um, and, and I think of the number of people I've, I've met and spoken with and, and how they looked at the moment at, at the whole situation, um, it's, it's difficult, you know, to stay positive and to have that attitude um, and, 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 you know, be encouraged to, to go on. But again, like I said, about those, those uh, societies and the, the involvement in education and, and, and health, uh, that's still going and that's going strong. Um, so yes, that's that's very clear. That's there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Can can you dive into the role of hope in this context in a place where true peace feels so far away? What signs of God's work have you witnessed? I mean, how how does a follower of Jesus stay hopeful in a situation like that? <laughs> yeah. Look, it's also who do you who do you think of if you speak about the followers of Jesus in this situation? So if if you speak about the Christians in Israel and um, and Palestine, you, you you know like we have different groups. Um, you have the Palestinian Christians, but you also have Messianic Jews, for example. Um, a sign of hope I saw is, for example, Messianic Jews connecting with Palestinian Christians, but because of the political situation, it's very complicated. But it does happen at times. And those are the moments that you think, okay, hopefully you can at least connect with one another um, yeah. and be in touch. But um, yeah, it's it's difficult. If you have really difficult views on the land where you live in and who to to whom that land belongs, mm. um, yeah, that makes it hard to connect in 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 a brotherly peace and as Christians and to recognize one another. Um, so, but yes, I think you know keeping hope is important. Um, to be honest, eh, we have had that there have been a lot of people saying that actually the conflict should not be, there's no solution in, in a political way. So should, we should try to build a solution from the ground up instead mm -hmm. of, you know, top down approach, we should build the bridges. I actually mm -hmm. think a political solution will be needed. Maybe we can discuss a bit more about that later on. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, well, for example, I, I, I have met, that was a very encouraging story, which just comes to my mind. I have met um, uh, a Jewish-Arab Christian couple with the, the wife being Jewish and he being an Arab Christian. And they have uh, beautiful kids, um, and which are very, their identities are very conflicted because their father is a Palestinian. Um, their mother is Jewish, which means they are Jewish, which means they have to do um, uh, service in the IDF at, at a certain point, which is in direct conflict with their, you know. So those. That's the Israeli Defense look, Force, IDF, the Israeli Defense yeah, sorry, Force. Yes, yeah, yeah. Israeli, yeah, wow. yeah, the Israeli Army, yeah. Um, but but uh, this, uh, I mean, I also know about the, 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 the rejection at least she got from her family uh, because of that marriage. Um, and um, it's those those mixed marriages are are really difficult. But those mixed marriages are signs of hope. Um, and even 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 also for a big sign of hope, we were in the north of Israel recently in the the Galilee. Um, there you have, and that's that's wonderful because if you're away from Jerusalem, you know Jerusalem being the most most contentious place. If you go there, it's peaceful. The, the land itself is peaceful, but it's also, I was surprised. I was sitting at the restaurant and I had there Jewish people sitting next to Arab people enjoying dinner. But you thats absolutely, you, you won't see that in the West Bank. It's, it's separate communities, but there it's mixed. You have the Druze there, you have the Christians there, you have the Muslims there. Mm. Um, um, and they just, you know, um, uh, did they say Christian, Muslims, Jews, yeah, and the Druze, yeah. So, and they're, they're just living together. Um, and I asked around a bit, like, okay, uh, hey, it works here, you know. You respect one mm -hmm. another. You you mix up. You do things together. You you know, uh, yeah. They're, 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 I mean, of course, you still have 
mostly um, Muslim community, you have some Christian communities there, you have uh, Jewish villages, but still people, you know, they have interaction, they work together, they go to, to, to sometimes they go to, to um, yeah, at least Christian and Muslim go to school together. I think there's also um, a mixed school of Jewish, Muslim and Christians going to school together. So it is possible, you know, but then... I asked one woman and she said, yeah, as soon as they start speaking or, or doing the, the politicians starting hatred in yeah. Jerusalem and stirring things up, then we have a problem here in the north. But other than that, um, we are able to live together. So I, I, that was a big sign of hope for me, seeing that happening there in the north of Israel. Yeah. That is encouraging. I mean... Yeah, it's it does sound like there's some difference between living in the city, which is very connected to um, politics, uh, and then you know, like you said, the land that's peaceful and the the peaceful um, way of living, and that's really encouraging to me. Um, so the, the Palestinian territories encompass the regions of West Bank and Gaza. Uh, this year, yes. they're number 57 on the World Watch list. So they're not in the top 50, yeah. but they have before. And from what I know, the persecution score hasn't really reduced despite the drop in rankings. Mm. It's just that other countries have become even more difficult to follow Jesus. So as an yes. expert in the World Watch list, what kind of pressures do Christians face following Jesus uh, in the Palestinian territories in West Bank and uh, Gaza? Yeah. So as for most of the Middle East encounters I'm covering of all, um, the, the majority of the score is actually made up because of the pressure on the on another community I have to mention it, that are um, the believers from a Muslim background. Mm. Um, and in both the West Bank, uh, but especially in Gaza, um, it is in Gaza it's nearly impossible. In the West Bank it's very difficult to be... Um, a Christian from a Muslim background. There's a whole lot of family pressure. Um, not so much, I would say, in the West Bank, at least not uh, uh, government persecution, but it's that relationship where it's mostly seen as a family issue and uh, families deal with it. But if it's too open, too obvious, or causing a public unrest, then the, the, the government will also get involved. Um, and which means that it's on... on, on um, Believers from a Muslim background, there's there's huge pressure on them, and that makes up an, a, a large part of the score. Um, the reason why it does not so high that it does not end up on the the world watch list is, for example, with the um, the, the historical Christian communities there, uh, the Palestinian Christians, having significant freedoms. Um, of course, there are tensions, but at the same time, as I explained, they can have their schools, they can have their hospitals, they are doing all those kind of things. Um, that doesn't take away that there are tensions between Christians and Muslims, but also depends a bit on who you ask, um, how to interpret those interpret those those uh, those tensions. Um, but in general, outreach, of course, is not um, uh, is is not viewed positive by the Muslim community. Um, although outreach is also, eh, that's also who you ask, uh, saying because there are also a lot of Palestinian Christians saying, you know, we we shouldn't do outreach by, you know, proselytizing. Per se, we should do outreach by doing social work. That's our outreach, mm. and that's how we do outreach and how we are Christians here in this society, rather than you know the the, the protest, Protestant way of viewing proselytizing, going with your Bible and 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 um, sharing the gospel that way. Although we we still have to touch upon Brother Andrew, who also who did that, and 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 uh, but in a very interesting way. Um, and then I have to say that the position of Christians in Gaza is particularly concerning. It's a very it was a community with over 5,000 Christians um, before Hamas took over. Now it's less than a thousand. Um, oh, it's okay. not that they are persecuted by Hamas per se. Um, that's not happening. But because of all the, the, the difficult circumstances. Um, and, and the thing is with Hamas, it, and you don't only see that happening in the Gaza, but also in the West Bank, but especially in Gaza, because it is kind of an open air prison. Um, it's you cannot go in or out. It's very difficult. Uh, very high unemployment. Uh, dictatorial rule. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, and let's be clear about that. Hamas. It's it's dictatorial rule. Um, you cannot speak out against Hamas, and if you do, that there will be there, the consequences are severe. Um, but because of all that tension, it's it's very difficult to leave there, um, and most Christians um, uh, have left or are trying to leave. Although there are also some hopeful 
people want to stay there. And, and there's still a number of churches in Gaza that are um, open and are running. And um, there's still the Roman Catholic Church doing an incredible uh, job with nuns being there and, and also doing education and health again. So, um, yes, it's it's hopeful at the same. But, but because of the general circumstances, yeah, the Gaza Christians, it's um, it's very worrying. I like what you mentioned about, um, you know, that kind of debate between how do we share Jesus here? You know, do we share Jesus, uh, you know, by, you know, bringing our Bible out um, and, you know, proselytizing uh, in a place where it's illegal? Or do we build it, um, you know, do we build a kingdom through, you know, practical love and um, and let, let people come to us? And I remember being in Egypt um, and on the first day our guide, grabbed his Bible out and he said, see this book here in Egypt, we have to live this book. We don't just read it. We have to live it. And I love that encouragement. It just encouraged me yeah. so much because yeah. he was essentially saying, we can't just read this book. We can't just speak it. If we want to share Jesus, yeah. we have to live it. We have to embody it. And that's yeah. what I'm hearing from what you're saying. These Palestinian Christians, it's not, they're not free necessarily to proselytize or to share, um, you know, to everyone with their words, but um, they can yeah. embody it. They can live it. And I, I have to say here, it's also kind of a status quo or, or or an unspoken agreement that you know the Muslims try do not try to proselytize the Christians and and the other way around. So mm. um, in that sense, it's also respecting each other's boundaries. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just you know, one of those those unspoken rules of living in such a contested land is just, you know, how do we, how do we respect um, each other's boundaries, but, you know, share Jesus at the same time. It's, it's complex. Um, and I mean, Christians don't just face persecution um, in the Palestinian territories. They face it uh, in Israel as well. I recently saw that the, the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, took a clear position against the rise of violence by Jewish ultra-Orthodox extremists against Christians in Israel, and he called it extreme and unacceptable. Um, but I hear there have been repeated attacks uh, at the Stella Maris Monastery in Haifa by uh, Jewish ultra-Orthodox extremists. And uh, yeah. throughout this year in Israel, there have been several attacks on Christians and Christian properties. Um, but the president yeah. then visited the monastery uh, as an expression of his solidarity with this with the Christians, is this statement yeah. from the president likely to have an impact on Christian persecution or in daily life of Christians living in Israel? So the role of the Israeli president is formal. So his um, he doesn't have you know it's it's Prime Minister Netanyahu and his cabinet making making the rules. Um, of course, it's important to have that statement by the Israeli president um, and show that he wants to. Uh, encourage uh, Christians and, and um, 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 uh, you know, rejects the violence against uh, Christians. But at the same time, what's happening at the moment in Israel, especially with this this government and with the, those very right-wing, ultra-wing, right-wing parties being in the government, it has very much encouraged the, um, the, the, the right-wing groups in Israel because they see themselves politically... Uh, able and, 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 and enabled to, you know, yeah, to do those kind of, of um, uh, um, yeah, what is it, hate attacks, I would say. Uh, we have seen vandalizations, um, a lot of vandalizations, especially in Jerusalem. Um, and then um, we, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's, 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 it's vandalism, but it's also spitting on the ground, um, those kind of things. Um, and yes, that, that, that has been a very strong in, increase in the last year, especially following the, 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 that, that cabinet, the current cabinet. Um, so yes, that's very tense and the, the, the church leaders have been warning um, and it's, it's putting pressure on the Christians in Jerusalem. Um, so yeah, it's it's good to have that statement, but at the same time, I'm not so you know it's it's Herzog himself is also from the from the Labour Party. He is not uh, from one of the right wing parties himself. Uh, even recently, there was a German um, uh, abbot was visiting the. I think he was he was just he was visiting Jerusalem, was walking around in Jerusalem, and uh, a guard actually told him to to take his cross off because um, he was at the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. It, yeah, it was around the area of the Western Wall. That, that was the reason. He said, take the cross off. This is a Jewish place. So, you know, um, wow. that's the kind of 
tension and that's the kind of thing mm. we were moving into with with that very right-wing government and i feel what i've seen in the last six years covering palestine is that there is an, an ongoing movement towards the right um, and the polarization is ongoing polarization mm. within israeli society um uh, that's so not only with, with external effect, but also within Israeli society. And then, for example, 2021, we had for the first time that there was openly violence between Israeli and Arab citizens, uh, which did not happen before, and not at least not to that extent. So, you know, um, uh, at the same time, I spoke with people and said, you know, we're living our lives and we were just we're still engaging, but there's still a lot of engagement between Arabs and Israelis, um, and it's politics. So, you know. It, the media focus tends to be on the politics, but there's there's more than 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 the media than the, than the politics. But yeah, we, we it's it's worrying what's happening with the politics, and and uh, there's no solution at hand. So the founder of Open Doors, brother Andrew, um, he's God smuggler. He actually got to meet some of the leaders of both Israel and Palestine um, yeah. over the years. What were some of his reflections on the issues at hand, and what role did he see Christians playing in peace and reconciliation? So brother Andrew was really, you know, he was he was action. Eh? He took action, um, not not talk, action. So for him, uh, a famous uh, expression of him is that Islam eh, meant, meant for him, I sincerely love all Muslims. Um, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to meet them. And um, uh, so, you know, you can read in his book, Light Force. Um, he says, if I, if I don't tell them about Jesus, who will? So that was the, the primary reason for him to meet with uh, Palestinian leaders, including Sheikh Yassin, the founder of Hamas, but also leaders of uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Um, he met a couple of times with Yasser Arafat. Um, so yes, I mean, if you hear about that, then people will probably frown upon it. Like, why are you going to meet those, yeah, uh, those people we deem to be terrorists? Um, but yes, that was that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to meet them. He wanted to speak with them. I think that's one of the most important lessons to learn from him is not to speak about people, but to speak with them, even if we see them as terrorists or our enemies or or who, whatever we however we view them. Um, and that was also very encouraging about his attitudes, uh, going there, taking the risks, um, and then you know speaking about uh, speaking about his faith openly, of course. Um, and trying to, you know, build bridges. Um, and and I know, and I know, in the in the Palestinian area, he has had a, la a lasting influence in in the way, and and we we, uh, we still do in the way we um, we are present there. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. You know, it just if you want to know about something, talk to the people, get to know the people um, rather than talking about it. Yeah. I think that's an amazing approach. Considering the objective of helping Christians in the West feeling connected to the persecuted church, living in these contested spaces, um, yeah. it feels like such a different reality. I mean, apart from, you know, reading these places in the Bible um, or maybe seeing, you know, uh, attacks like Janine and, and, uh, and other things happening yeah. on the news, um, how do we... How do we feel connected to our um, uh, to the living stones in Israel Palestine? What suggestions do you have um, for for me and for the listeners of just fostering the sense of unity, even though our contexts are so different? Yeah. Um, again, I'm, I'm speaking here mostly about the Palestinian Christians because if you speak with Messianic uh, Jewish Christians, you will yeah, it's it's totally or it's a different story. But if, if you speak about the Palestinian Christians, what I've often heard and know they're struggling with is that Western Christians tend to support Israel. And for them, it's because, you know, they don't feel recognized. Their struggle doesn't feel recognized. Um, and that's, I think, one of the main messages I have here for the listeners is... Um, that, you know, if you look, for example, at the support for Israel, but also the support for the, 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 the occupation and the, the current Israeli politics. Um, I had a look on the internet for the support among, among um, Australian Jews, uh, which largely support, still support Israel, but less than half of them support current the current political situation and current policies of the, 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 uh, the Israeli governments. Um, if you look at the, the states, 
there's even even less among the American Jews. So if you look at those who in um, in which are the people groups who are the, the persons supporting Israel most strongly, even and even encouraging the current political situation um, and, and, and continuing to support Israel even in those those yeah, situations of occupation. That's the the, 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 the the those are the conservative Christians, um, the Christian Zionists, uh, the, to say so, the Christian Zionism movement, and and for Palestinian Christians that that, that lack of recognition, um, saying mm. hey, how can you be a Palestinian and a Christian, um, and so people even sometimes even simply don't know about them. That's that's the first thing, and then secondly, once they start talking, it's often yeah, but but you know Israel, Israel's God's people, and 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 those kind of things. Um, and that that lack of recognition is a is a big, yeah, that's that's a big one. I found often among Palestinian Christians uh, saying you know yeah, the lack of support um, they receive from their own brothers and sisters as they oh. as they view them. Um, but it's good to be aware as Australian Christians, and, and uh, if you're listening here, okay, if I say I support Israel, yes, okay, but what does it mean for your Palestinian Christian brother and sister um, in the West Bank um, and in Gaza? Um, and, and yeah, so please think about that. And again, so if you go great. there, visit them, speak with them, encourage them, and yeah. um, be able to step outside of your boundaries and your um, your narrative and, and what you have learned about Israel and how to view Israel. That's fantastic. I mean, it, it is just a, a gentle encouragement to look past the politics and see the people and see the pain and, um, and you know, yeah. sit, sit with yeah. that um, in, a, in a place of empathy and curiosity to say, what what has happened here and how has it impacted you and how yeah, can I yeah, stand with yeah. you? And um, I just saw from a, a, a quote um, from a, a, a Palestinian Christian who has been helped through Open Doors Local Partners and, and been encouraged through youth ministry. And, and he said, us Christians in Palestine feel forgotten by our brothers and sisters around the world. But it, through this training, it suddenly became clear to me there is someone supporting us. There are Christians who have our backs. Uh, and and he said I had a yes. clear impact on his youth community too, saying that they now see that the church is alive and they've experienced that they are a part of it. And that becomes even more real having just listened to you share that because, you know, yeah. to, to feel overlooked, um, you know, by by Christians would be just such a heartbreaking thing when we're their family. It's just a, such a good reminder that to to stand with them means to to lean in and, and listen and, and empathize and, and support them as, yeah. as Christians. As living and, and to make to to just make to try to make it more a bit more real for the listeners. So the the Palestinian friend I talked about who's now moving to the US. Um, once we were living there in the year, we, we took him by car, um, and we were crossing into Israel. Um, and now this 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 guy, I mean, he went to the US. He lived there for ten years. He did his studies there. He he you know during his teenage years he was there. So if you speak with him. You think you speak with with a Westerner. Eh? The, the, the way he thinks is is the way we think, um, whatever that is. But okay, so you 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 eh? you have that Palestinian guy. You really can connect with um, uh, who culturally feels the same, eh? sharing the same values and everything. So you have that guy sitting next to me in the car. Then we entered the checkpoint, and he had his paperwork, but. At first, it seemed that his paperwork was not in order. So the Israeli soldier um, started to ask questions to him. And I still feel the atmosphere because he is this very friendly, nice guy uh, who has an open atmosphere around him. It's great to talk to him. But then all of a sudden, he paralyzed because he, he, he felt that if my papers are not in order, then I will be arrested. Uh and and you know the, the whole thing around that and 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 at that time for me it felt okay this is occupation it's that feeling of panic um, mm. when you when you you know um, come across an Israeli soldier or an Israeli yeah and 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 if things are not in order that that you feel you know it was really really tense um, sometimes they say you, you you can cut the atmosphere with a knife eh, you know and, and yeah. that that was really a time that I felt it like okay what's going to happen now um, in the end his papers were in order but I still you know the, the whole reaction 
a physical reaction he had when he saw that happening. And still, I did the same thing when I was traveling back from Ramallah once to, to, to our village with some Palestinian Christian girls in the back. And um, so they have those fixed checkpoints, but they also have temporary checkpoints, um, which they just pop up here and there. And all of a sudden, there was a temporary checkpoint in front of us. So we said, you know, just relax. Um, we have a car with Israeli number plates. Um, you're in the back. Um, they will probably let us just go through. But I still remember them in the back. Okay, what's going to happen? There's an, you know, and 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 are they are they going to ask? And that's that's that you know, okay, th this is this is very clearly for me. This is occupation. You're living with an, an, an a foreign military governing you, uh, controlling you. You have your areas where you are allowed to live, um, and that are under control and in the West Bank under, under the control of the Palestinian Authority. But still, the Israeli military presence is is so obvious. You cannot travel between Ramallah and Bethlehem without crossing checkpoints. And and uh, and, and actually, I still remember one quote from an, an, a Palestinian Christian woman in the village where we were living, and she was saying, "The issue is we have 20% extremists on the Israeli side or the Jewish side. We have 20% extremists on our side, and and they make sure that we do not reach." Um, reconciliation and that we that we keep living in anger and mistrust and everything. I mean, of course, you can you can debate about those numbers and everything, but I think there's at least some truth in it. Eh? For mm. example, if you look at um, the time that that there was reconciliation was really close was um, Yitzhak Rabin. Yitzhak eh? Rabin. That, that he was, yeah, he was he was very close to uh, you know at, at that time the, the time was really hopeful. But, so close. Uh, he, it, it was close. It, it was a hopeful time, but then he was murdered not by a Palestinian, but he was murdered by a religious Jew um, who is still in prison and who still has an, a memoration and people gathering out there honoring him for what he did. Because, you know, yeah, it's, it's ex extremists who really do not want to give in to one another and who complicate the situation. But I think actually that, that, that like, like I said, like what's happening in the north of Israel, um, the majority of people are able to live with one another. It's, I'm not mm -hmm. going to say that it's... it's that there won't be problems and there won't be tensions, but you know, it's possible. Mm. Wow, it is um, complex. There's a mix of hope and despair <laughs> in there. I mean, if you could pray one scripture from the Bible over the region of uh, Israel and Palestine, what would you pray and why? Uh, yeah, so what, what I thought was, you know, when you speak, when, when when you really want to feel the conflict to say so, that's okay. Of course, that is in, in occupied territories, but especially also in Jerusalem. Mm. Um, because Jerusalem having that mixed population, having all those religious sites, uh, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, um, and Jerusalem is always the hotbed. Um, so when I thought about that, what, what came to mind uh, is, you know, is uh, Psalm 122, um, 122. 22, yes, um, the verses 6 to 8. Um, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. Um, and that's, you know, that's an, a prayer I think we can honestly do um, both for the Jews, uh, for the Christians, um, also for the Muslims. Um, let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem, um, and, and hopefully that city will one time be a city of peace um, rather than a city of uh, contest. Um, so yes, that's what I had to think about. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you and I didn't you didn't share with me before we we chatted which verse you were going to share, but. Earlier this week, at the time of recording, our uh, we have a team devotions uh, at the Open Doors Australia New Zealand. So we all get together and every week someone different shares. And this week, um, uh, one of our relationship managers, Dave, shared Psalm 122, um, ah, exactly wow. that. And uh, it was all about this future city and hoping for this future yeah. city, which is a place of peace. And I just think this is an incredible way to end this conversation that there is hope for peace and it's uh it's in him and it's in it's it's in his restoration of all things and that's what uh yeah. the, the christians uh in in that 
uh, nation have to look forward to. Maybe, you know, peace in this life is so contested. Um, and actually for all of our listeners, um, you know, we're never guaranteed peace uh, on this side, um, you know, in an earthly sense, but we are guaranteed an eternal peace with him. And I can't believe that you shared that passage because um, that's been kind of the heartbeat of Open Doors uh, this week, the, the, uh, the Australian-New Zealand base. So I just think that uh, is just a little wink from God um, to say that he's in the midst and he's um, he he's working for peace and he is, um, yeah, the, the Prince of Peace. So, um, what a what a great way to end. Will you pray for us, Michael, um, as we wrap up? Pray for our listeners, pray for the nation, pray for our brothers and sisters uh in that in that country. Um yeah. and and yeah, just pray for us all to to have his vision and his perspective and his eyes and his heart um uh, as we look at this as we look at this contest. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. Um, to look into the issues at hand in Israel and the Palestinian territories, Israel and Palestine. Uh, Father, you know um, you know more than, than we do, and you know how contested the land is, um, the holy land, the land where you once were born and you died on the cross for all our sins, the land where you were also resurrected. Um, but the land that's now so very much contested, even among uh, your own followers. Mm. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for wisdom for the leaders, the political leadership. We pray for wisdom for the, uh, the, the, the church leaders and, and um, those who are um, administering and, and leading your sheep in those areas. Um, we pray for peace. We pray for mutual respect. We pray for an end to the occupation. We pray for um, genuine friendship between uh, Palestinians and Jews and between Christians and Muslims and between Muslims and Jews. Um, we pray that you will build the bridges where we think they are impossible to build. So Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time together. And I want to repeat the words of the, of the, the of, of scripture you gave to us, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. We are just um, unbelievably grateful to have your, not only your wisdom and insight as a um, persecution analyst, but also as um, a follower of Jesus who has lived in the country. Um, and and you just bring um, so much insight, but also heart to this conversation. So thank you so much. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, you can find the the full watch world watch list dossier for Palestine in the show notes. We'll, we'll put a couple of links in the show notes as well. So you can dig a little deeper if you'd like to. Um, but an, an, uh, apart from that, this is us done for another month. Um, thank you for joining me on the first episode of the whole story, Michael, you have been the perfect first guest. And this has been a perfect first conversation because we do want to go um, below the headlines. We want to, you know, dig a little deeper into, um, you know, not just what the media is talking about or, you know, what, what the headlines of a situation are, but what God's doing um, on the ground. And I feel like you um, just shared that so well. So thank you so much. Uh, and to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, and I'll see you again next month. Thank you for joining us on The Whole Story. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Open Doors strengthening believers who suffer for their faith around the world. We pray this episode brought you closer to your brothers and sisters who follow Jesus around the world. For more info and for the latest updates from the field, head to our website, opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next time.